This is Conducting Business, WQXR's show about the classical music industry. I'm Naomi Lewin. Believe it or not, there is somewhat of a connection between opera and reality television. Think of the child singer Jackie Ivanko warbling through Puccini on America's Got Talent, or Welsh mezzo-soprano Catherine Jenkins on Dancing with the Stars. In a moment, we'll talk about this phenomenon with Washington Post music critic Anne Majette. But to begin with, Charlene Joint. She's a Canadian soprano now living in New York who has sung in opera houses in Europe and Canada, and she's currently an understudy for the production of Strauss's Arabella at the Met. And she was one of the contestants on the latest round of ABC's Looking for Mr. Right show, The Bachelor. Welcome, Charlene. Thank you. So I will start with the obvious, which everybody must ask, why did you do it? <laughs> what were you thinking? It, you know the term FOMO, um, fear of missing out. I would say that's what it came down to. Honestly, it started out as a joke and sort of snowballed. And then I don't know when something like that is, you know, in your hands and you know that it's once in a lifetime, even if it's not highbrow once in a lifetime, you still have a moment where you're like, I could really look back on this and was this your right. idea or did somebody else suggest it? Um, you know, it's something that I've watched for years as a guilty pleasure with my sister. And, you know, every week we'll be like, oh, no, so-and-so went home. And, you know, it's the kind of thing that is like brain-meltingly and numbingly glorious. <laughs> and I was newly single at the time. I happened to be in New York where I knew they were having their New York casting event. So, like, I didn't, like, mail anything in or anything. I just went. I was having dinner at Fiorello's, which is right around the corner. So I went an hour early and quickly realized just what a big deal it was. Like, there were so many hundreds of girls there with their forms all filled out. You know, it was sort of on a whim, but... And I think had I not been made to feel special, I don't know if I would have followed up on it. Somebody there made you feel special? Yeah. Um, Lacey, the casting director, basically, like, single singled me out and came up to me with her card and gave me the packet saying, you're automatically in the next round. I mean, she didn't even know I was an opera singer yet at that point. But I... Felt quite out of place the entire time I was there. Like, I almost felt that even my speaking voice was, like, on a different decibel or something. <laughs> I felt very, very much like an odd duck, for sure. You were living in Germany at the time? You just happened to be in the States? Well, at that time, so I just finished my third year fest in Germany. and That's a, a firm contract. A yeah, like a fixed contract. So I just finished my third year in a fixed contract in Germany, and... It was, at the time, I believe, July or August. So it was summertime. I had just finished some performances, and then I had, you know, a lot of the summer off. And whenever I get any kind of time off, I always come to New York if I can justify it. So, yeah, all my friends are here. I went to school here. So, Was there any part of you that thought this might be a good career move to get you more exposure in the States since you had been living in Germany? It certainly was. I I realized that it would, you know, make me feel like some sort of a D-list celebrity, but in no way did I, th <laughs> in no way did I think at any point that it would really help my opera career. I've, that's why the entire time I was even on the show, I made a point of not singing, not like I, they wanted me to sing at every turn. You know, they wanted. Me I to wondered if that was in your contract that you would not sing too. Oh, much. I made it very clear. I was like, I don't want to sing in interviews. I was like, I'm not singing when I get out of the limo. And even the time I did sing, I was like, I said no. Like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But then when Juan Pablo himself asked me, he was like super insistent. And 
I I kind of gave in, like, just because he was, like, really insisting. Like, he wasn't taking no for an answer. Juan Pablo being The Bachelor. Well, oh, sorry, Juan Pablo don't. being The Bachelor, yeah. I, I definitely, right afterwards, I mean, I ran to a producer right after that part of the date and said, like, please don't use that. And he was like, we're going to use it. <laughs> and why did you choose the Bell song from Lock Me as what you oh, say? Oh, man. You know... Thank you for recognizing it. I have no idea. It was just what popped into my mind at the moment. And also, I, you know, I could have thrown some high notes, but honestly, I was not in vocal shape at that time. Like, when you're living in the Bachelor Mansion, you're like, you're drinking a lot and like staying up late a lot. And did you do e- any practicing? I did, but I made a point of always doing it like in the bathroom with the door locked and... What did the other women in the house say to that? I mean, I would warn them. I'd be like, guys, you know, they'd all be like lounging by the pool. And I'd be like, guys, is it okay if I like if I practice for like an hour? And they're like, okay. I know there were cameras on them. And I think at one point the cameras like pointed up to the bathroom window where where I had the blinds shut. Like basically I tried to keep it as private as possible, but it's really hard. It's like having 17 roommates. So that must have been really weird. It's... (laughs) Yes, to say the least. What is more surreal, stepping onto the stage of the Met or stepping out of a limousine dressed to the nines, knowing that you're going to be living with a million roommates to meet somebody who could ostensibly propose to you in a couple of weeks? (laughs) Well, when you put it like that. (laughs) You know, I still have not had my Met debut, so maybe that moment will, you know, trump everything. But I've certainly, like, stepped out and you know, done big roles for me and like, you know, dream roles and they've been surreal moments. But I don't know if I've ever been quite so nervous in my life as I was stepping out of that limo because I had seen the show. Maybe if I hadn't, it would have been different. But I had seen the show. I remember seeing so many people step out of this limo onto this this house and everything. And I don't know. I kind of felt like I, I didn't remember any of it. I sort of feel like I blacked out, honestly. Like, it was just... And you wait. There's so much buildup. So much buildup. Just for that night alone, I had been sitting in a hotel room at that point, in hair and makeup, in my gown for over three hours just waiting. I mean, that was just that day. We'd already been in the hotel for three days with no contact to the outside world. Do they do all the hair and makeup for you? or do you? No, do- I did it myself. They they give you the option to have your makeup done just that first night, but it would have been at 2 p.m. I mean, my limo came at like 8. I don't want <laughs> – it's just pointless. But during the show, we do all our own hair, makeup, clothes, everything. A few years back on The Bachelorette, there was a contestant who seemed to be there mostly to advance his career as a country singer, Wes Hayden. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did you know about him? Did this I, play at all into your thinking? Um, I mean, I saw that season. That was Ashley Hebert's season, right? And – wasn't it Wes? He was the, the country singer who was constantly serenading somebody, but who ostensibly also had a girlfriend. So it was pretty clear that he was there. But it doesn't really seem to have done much for his career because he doesn't seem to have progressed much beyond reality shows. Yeah, I would say that what matters most in that situation is that you get a good edit. So you are painted flatteringly. And in his case... He was such a shady character all around, and I do think it is sort of suspect if you're constantly, you know, singing your country songs. That's why I was so adamant about never singing. I just, I wanted it to be completely separate. And honestly, it's gotten more attention than I than I thought it would in the classical world, for sure. Your appearance? Yeah. I mean, I just think maybe I was the first to, you know, do something like that. You mentioned getting a good edit. Do you have any say at all? No. 
You are in the theater, though, so you know kind of how the sausage is made, that a lot gets filmed and not a lot gets used. And how aware were you of the actual production to turn this all into a good story? I mean, you know that they are constantly cooking. You know, they're constantly cooking. They're, they're always texting each other. Sometimes, you know, late at night, they'd be like, we have to do an interview from that date two weeks ago, and I need to put on the outfit I wore on that date so they could get me to say certain things. It's, it was fascinating, really, how it's put together. But I would say on the whole, if you get a really bad edit, you did something to... Yeah, I mean, it's not like if you just say you slip up and say one mean thing that you're going to be painted the bitch. We'll put it that way. But I definitely think that on the whole, people were portrayed more or less how they were in the house. How aware are you of the cameras, which must be right on top of you? I mean, that was a huge deal for me, honestly. Some girls got really used to it really quickly. The cameras aren't hidden, so they're always there. When <clears throat> when you wake up in the morning, like you're immediately mic'd. So you know when you're mic'd, there's going to be a camera. And so, and, you, and they're big, huge cameras, like moving around the house, following you around and stuff. And they're not always there, which I think is important to mention and also just good for your sanity. <laughs> Do they affect how you behave? I mean, they'd certainly, yeah. I didn't, they didn't really affect the way I behaved in, except that it made me a little more of a recluse probably than I am in real life. And it made me sort of watch what I'd say. And, you know, while other girls would, you know, play it up, like they'd suddenly be more animated and things like that. It was fascinating to see how people changed just based on a camera suddenly coming to the room, just how their face expressions would even change. It's really interesting. Well, Juan Pablo seemed really immediately intrigued with you because you were from such a totally different world. And there are a lot of articles now saying that you were the most unusual and unusually grounded contested that a lot of people had seen on The Bachelor. So did you ever feel, uh-oh, what have I done? I, I would be lying if I said I didn't have moments where I was like, maybe this was a huge mistake. Like, people would tell me it was a huge compliment, really, that I would, like, raise the class level of the show. And I was like, oh, that's a really big compliment. But then at the same time, you know, I'd be like, oh, wait, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe that was a mistake. Maybe I'm lowering myself to some level. But that isn't, honestly, it was a fun experience. And I'm like, I'm still, I'm a 29-year-old girl. Like, it's... It was a really cool experience that I'll tell my grandchildren about one day. I And honestly, it was the people I met were the best part. Like, not only the girls in the house, but the producers, many of whom I consider friends now. Like, it was great. I, I, I only have good things to say about it overall, I'd say. Anne Majette just wrote in the Washington Post that at least one American manager was actually less interested in you because you had been on The Bachelor. Is that true? I mean... Have they heard you sing? Yeah, I think that was Neil Funkhauser, right? And then he, when he finally did get convinced to watch a video of me in live performance, he was, his mind was changed. Um, that was not easy to read, honestly. Like, I didn't know that she had interviewed all those people. I didn't know she had interviewed my own teacher. And it crossed my mind that maybe that wouldn't be seen favorably, but I thought, I thought that I'd kept it separate enough. Like, my website doesn't say anything about The Bachelor. It's just my resume. So I, I thought that, you know, they would be totally separate entities. But So when I read that, I was kind of like, oh, I wonder how many agents or opera houses have thought that. What sorts of offers have you gotten since your appearance on The Bachelor? Classical music and other. 
Um, not as many as you might think, honestly. A lot. I get a lot of requests for like press and things like that, like interviews, like we're doing now. Uh, but I would say, like, to get a cold call from like an opera house to even do some sort of small role, like nothing like that has come my way. And I, I, I think that the opera world is very wary of me at the moment. Why? Um, I'm not really sure. I mean, you're a good singer. That's thank you. I appreciate that. Like, I've worked my entire life. I mean, you're you were a singer. You know what it's like to pursue a career in opera. Like, it is not easy. Everything I've done in my life so far has been more or less for that career. And so to suddenly maybe be taken less seriously because I spent two months filming a reality show was a little heartbreaking in a way. But, you know, I came into it with no career expectations. I didn't, you know, like I said, I kept it separate. So I, you know, decidedly kept my expectations low. And so the fact that I haven't gotten anything because of the show, I'm at par. (laughs) Well, you're covering a role at the Met, which has become much more video-oriented. Has there been any change in your standing there because of The Bachelor? Um, No, no. I mean, the occasional singer will come up to me and be like, oh, like, like I really loved you or on the show or, you know, oftentimes it'll be a man's man who'll come and be like, my wife really loves you on the show. <laughs> but in terms of like... But management re- hasn't said, we want to put you on camera in, in uh, something? No, no, I haven't. I haven't gotten approached for anything like that. Do you think you're always going to be singing coloratura roles, or do you see your voice maybe changing and darkening with time? It already has begun a bit to sort of darken, but first of all, I love singing coloratura repertoire. I, it sort of suits me in a way, except my personality. Like, I would much prefer to sort of sink my teeth into a really meaty role, which, as you know... Such as? Um, in your dreams, you sing... Well, in my immediate dreams, I would love to do Madame Mao. Like, that's something I would love to do. It's and just Nixon in China. Yeah, it's so not something that I've ever done before as a character. And definitely the more I sing, the more I realize it's the acting that, you know, keeps you interested. Like, if you sing the same roles over and over again or the same type of role, you know, that can get a little old fast. But, you know, in the long run, maybe something like... Like, obviously, I think every coloratura says Lucia at some point. Just something to sing that mad scene. Ugh. What a thrill that would be. You sing it in the shower? Oh, yeah. I've had it memorized since I was 18. I used to listen to Anna Moffo. I would listen to her recording over and over again. So what is coming up next for you after this? Um, I have more performances in Germany in June and July. I rehearse for, you know, Leipzig Oper. They're having, I'm doing Debbie Nata with them, but in a tour in China in October. So we rehearse in June and then October I'll go. But yeah, immediate future. It's like in May, my May is clear. And then I have some performances June and July. So if you had it to do all over again, would you do it again? Yes. I I probably didn't jump quickly enough at that to say yes. But well, the same way with when you got that first presentation rose, the first impression rose (laughs) was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I was really shocked. I super shocked that he picked me and honestly it made me see him completely differently I have nothing bad to say about him he made me feel really different in a good way and special the entire time I was there but Um, you do seem like one of you is from Venus and the other one is from Mars just just. yes in a way but I also think that we did have some things in common just life experiences major life experiences we had in common and that is kind of a big thing to have in common honestly 
more so than, you know, the little things like, oh, your favorite book and things like that. The fact that we had studied in, you know, a foreign country and struggled in a, in a second language, things like that. And he, the fact that he appreciated those things in me, I think, made me realize that in, initially I had underestimated him, honestly. I know he's getting a lot of flack now, but he was a total gentleman to me. He was really nice to me. But on the whole, I can't complain. It was an amazing experience. Well, we will continue to follow your opera career. Thank you. That's very sweet. Thank you very much. <laughs> Charlene you. Joint, former contestant on The Bachelor, currently covering a role in Arabella at the Met. Now we're joined by Anne Majette, classical music critic of The Washington Post. She wrote about Charlene last week. Anne, what were some of the career trade-offs that you found Charlene faced as a result of her appearance on The Bachelor? Well... If you're seen as being a serious artist or trying to cast yourself as being a serious artist, obviously going on a reality show is not the most career-advancing move you can make. Furthermore, a lot of these reality show, quote, opera singer, unquote, people are, in fact, crossover singers or not trained singers. It's quite unusual to see somebody who is in the burgeoning stages of a serious opera career making a departure like this, particularly like Ms. Joint, um, doing it not for any ulterior career motive, but simply because she had a hole in her calendar and the opportunity came along and she thought, what the heck? Now, for people who don't follow The Bachelor... What did she do on the show? Well, I heard about her through colleagues who did watch the show and were amazed at her authenticity and sophistication. She seems to have made quite a splash on The Bachelor by being kind of genuine and maintaining her dignity. She certainly didn't hurt her career with the way she behaved on the show. She appears to have been completely dignified throughout, which is not necessarily a characteristic of contestants on that particular show, which is all about getting the attention of this hunky guy. She appeared to be one of the front runners, um, in part because she was a little bit elusive, and she left the show of her own volition when she decided that she and The Bachelor simply didn't have the chemistry she was looking for. So she came out smelling like a rose and with a whole lot of fans who were very impressed by her. So in that sense, it didn't hurt her seriousness at all. But But, apparently uh, people in the opera world weren't that impressed. What is it about her appearance that didn't impress them? well, um, or made them suspicious. She, she said to me that she had auditioned for a B-level house, not one of the leading houses in the States, and um, had not been... She didn't audition. She didn't get the audition. She said it was the first time she had sent her resume in. She's sung quite a bit around Europe and some medium-sized German houses of considerable stature, like Karlsruhe. And she, at Covent Garden, they looked at her resume and they gave her a hearing. This smallish American house did not give her a hearing and said that she was too junior league. And the only possible construction she could put on that was that it was as a result of The Bachelor because there was no other thing in her resume to mark her as junior league. It is amusing that for my article, I asked three different opera managers, artist managers, whether they'd heard of her. One had not heard of her. One had heard of her because she's got a cover contract at the Met, and he checks out all the Met covers. And one heard of her because a friend of his kept saying, you've got to hear this woman. She's great. And he finally Googled her and, like you and like me, was incredibly impressed by some of her YouTube videos, which show that she is indeed a serious singer. I mean, she studied with Ruth Falcon, who's one of the best-known names of the New York Vogue scene. She went to Manus. Um, she placed in the Belvedere competition. Uh, she's she's having a serious young artist career. As you mentioned, she is a cover at the Met. So do you think maybe the Met, which is so camera conscious, is taking a look at this? 
Well, the Met cover contracts for her began. She went to the Belvedere competition a couple of years ago in Vienna. There was a Met person on the jury, and she got her first Met cover contract back then a couple of years ago. And I think this came out of that. I believe that her professional life has been entirely separate from The Bachelor. Of course, this Met cover contract that she has now in Arabella would have been issued a couple of years ago, long before The Bachelor. Taking a larger view of it, there are worse things in the world than getting a little bit of mainstream exposure for the opera world. I think that she, in fact, may have done herself favors, certainly by building up her fan base. A lot of people have looked at those YouTube videos since she was on The Bachelor. Do you think maybe some people, when they hear reality TV, just would put Charlene in the same category as Jackie Ivanko or Katherine Jenkins as a crossover artist? Absolutely, as I did when I heard her name, as the agent Neil Funkhauser did when he heard her name. You just think either this is a beauty pageant kind of talent or a crossover kind of talent, partly because most opera singers you encounter outside the opera house, most quote-unquote opera singers, are indeed that kind of talent. I was thinking, what would happen if at Arabella, the singer singing Fiacre Millie were to get sick and Charlene Joint were to jump in and the Met were to say, as seen on The Bachelor, Charlene Joint sings Fiacre Millie, what you'd get is a whole bunch of patrons rolling their eyes and a whole bunch of letters about the decline of opera. Um, I think it would affect how the serious opera world listened. And it's too bad because it's an artificial divide. I mean, opera began and was traditionally popular entertainment. Um, It was the Hollywood of its day. Do you not think, though, there's a chance that if they said as seen on The Bachelor, they might attract a whole new audience. Do you think that there is a possibility that her appearance from all the people who Googled her from her fan base, they might now be interested in going to the opera? It's possible. It's possible, but it's a calculated risk because if you do get those people and they go and they see Arabella, they're sitting through an awful lot of music before they get to Charlene Joint's moment. And um, whether that would inspire them to keep going um, or horrify them is open to question. I mean, I love opera as much as the next person. I mean, I'm passionate about opera. I love opera much more than many of the next people. But uh, I'm not always convinced that all of the repertoire is going to win over people to the degree of love I feel for it. And certainly, if you look at an artist like Andrea Bocelli, who has an enormous fan base, he's worked very hard to do straight opera productions and make straight opera recordings. And I don't believe that those productions he's done or that those recordings he's done have sold as well as his bread and butter recordings. And if somebody like Andrea Bocelli can't manage to divert a mainstream audience into the opera house, I wonder if a Charlene Joint can. That said, I'm certainly open to the experiment because she is an artist who's worth hearing, which has got to be the bottom line, the main criterion that you use to judge. Last week, we did a Conducting Business podcast with the dean of the Manus College of Music, who said conservatories need to train students to be more business and PR savvy about their careers. Charlene Joint got a degree from Manus. Do you think going on The Bachelor fits into that new career mold? Well, I wrote this piece about her last week, and I had a real sense of becoming a part of the story as I wrote the piece, not only because I was getting managers to look at her or talking to managers about her future, and indeed one manager said I saw her video, I would give her management in a minute, but because by writing the article, um, I got a lot of feedback from people in the opera world, which I was really happy about. The audience for that article was not only her Bachelor fans. I was writing about the kind of difficulties of balancing your personal life and your extra 
extracurricular interests with this incredibly demanding and all-consuming career. And that's a problem that goes beyond The Bachelor, beyond entertainment, beyond reality TV to family, personal life, um, all kinds of considerations, how, how you're going to balance that with an opera career. So I think that the Charlene story turns out to be less about a savvy, I'm going to increase my fan base move. I don't think that's why she did it. And more a I find myself really unhappy in this career and I am doing something kind of crazy because what the hell. Um, I think that's what her that's what her situation really is. Now, whether the fact that she's gotten so much attention, plus possibly a serious article in mainstream publication in which serious opera people are talking about her, whether that's going to end up helping her career, I can't say. It may well be. It may well be that she gets American management after The Bachelor and that it proves to be a really smart career move. But again, it wouldn't work for somebody who wasn't a serious singer to begin with. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Anne Majette is the classical music critic of The Washington Post. You can read her article about Charlene Joint on our website, wqxr.org. This has been Conducting Business. Brian Wise is our producer. I'm Naomi Lewin. Thanks for listening. <laughs>